Father, we thank you another time to be in your house, God. Thank you for each one who's gathered in here. Father, you see the infirmities in our bodies, Lord, if they might be physical, mental, spiritual, Lord, whatever it might be. We ask that you would move, move on the behalf of your people, Father. Thank you, God, for your goodness and your graciousness, for those things that you kept from us last week, God, and those things that you healed in our bodies and that you touched, God. We thank you. We praise you. We ask you to be with us during this time, Father, so that the Spirit might speak expressly, Lord, and we might have a full understanding of what it is that your word says about being a peacemaker. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, interesting enough, peacemaker, the word peacemaker in Matthew 5 and 9, peace means this once. There's only one time, and I always find that really cool because, like, there's instances in the Bible where a word is used 150 times, but one usage of that word means something different than all the other usages. That's why we def we define things in English. I'm reading a passage. I've said this a bunch of times, but this is the only way I could say it. Because of the fact that I can read fluently, which means I can read through it and understand, if you were not a fluent reader, whenever you were reading and you saw the word R-E-A-D, you wouldn't know if that meant read or read. But because you're fluent in English, you know the context of what you're reading and you know if it's present tense or past tense, right? Does that make sense? So a person who doesn't know how to read and they read word for word, if you're reading word for word, for word, you're not comprehending what you're reading. It's impossible. The average person in here, we're, we're seeing three to four words ahead of what's coming out of our mouth. That's why you can read way faster than you'll ever talk. Even the fastest talkers, Ricky, uh, people that talk fast can talk fast, literally. You can read faster than you'll ever be able to talk because your mind can comprehend faster than your mouth can say it. Okay. Well, spiritual eyes is the same way. Like, in the spirit, all of these things are building on each other, and we're going to see the awesome part of the Word of God is, Brother Scott has it on his wall in his office. If you've never seen it, peek your head in there before you leave today. Of the whole of the Bible, and every cross-reference in the Bible, uh, it's mind-blowing to think that over, over thousands of years, roughly 40 men, through the Spirit of God, penned this whole Bible, right? 40 different authors at least that can prove over thousands of years, and it doesn't matter where you go or what you do, it backs itself up perfectly. It's really amazing. That's why we can. That's why we have beliefs in this word. So this word builds on itself, and then we're going to see later in the word in the New Testament where the apostles are using these very thoughts to back up what they're saying whenever they speak. So. First, we'll start with Matthew 5 and 9, as we should. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, a peacemaker, that's the first thing we have to look at. One who bravely declares God's terms, which makes someone whole. A peacemaker is that we're called to be peaceful, and that's later. But a peacemaker is a person who speaks the truth of God, the unadulterated truth of God, just as it is, with no remorse for it. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, I love that, he says, look, I, I'm sorry that I upset you with my last letter, but I'm not sorry because it brought about a godly repentance, and now you're you're not you're not in out of the way. These people were already saved. Do y'all understand? That's the thing about this. He's writing to a group of people who were saved people, but they had gotten out of the way. They had gotten off of the right path. So he's saying, "Hey, come, come on back. I'm going to write this to you, and I'm going to tell you because I, I believe this with all my heart. The person who tells you the most truth." is the person who loves you the most. You may not like that truth. 
And it's kind of like this. If Denise walks in and she has, let's say she's worn something before, and I've already told her I don't think that, I don't like that. Like, that doesn't look right. I have a right to say that. Should I? Maybe not always. But I want to be truthful. If she comes a second time and asks me the same question, my question is going to be, do you want to fight? Like, is that your, is, do you want to fight right now? Because I've told you once what the truth is. And these people keep coming back, like, to me because they know who I am and what I'm about. They come back with the same question. Well, is homosexuality a sin? Yeah, it, should, it is. Is fornication a sin? Yes. Like, I, I can't give you a different answer. You don't have to like the answer, but I always preface questions when people ask me. I will specifically say, Do you, are you sure you want me to answer that? Are you sure you want me to answer it? Because here's the deal. The way I feel about you as an individual, it doesn't change at all. Love is not conditional. If you were a, one of my family members turned out to be a serial killer, I'm going to love them. If someone kills my wife, the word of God says I am to love them with a godly love. I don't have to like their actions, and we're not going to be BFFs, right? But a peacemaker in this sense is someone who boldly, proclaims the word of God. And the whole point at the end of it, it says terms which which make someone whole. A truce. A truce is not peace. People think that a truce is peace. A, a truce is the time for us to reload our weapons, to make more bombs, and to prepare to fight again. A truce is not peace. There's never been peace. There is no peace. There's never been a time of peace. There's not peace now. Even when there's not a peace, there's a cold war going on. Iran, Iraq, all these places. There's no such thing as peace aside from Christ Jesus. The only way that you can make peace with a person is not to have a truce. It's not for me to say, well, I know that what you're doing is wrong, and I'm, I'm just not even going to say it when you ask me. That way I keep peace between us. That's not peace. That's a truce. What I'm doing is, is I'm just making sure that you're not mad at me and, and, and we're good because I don't want to feel uncomfortable. And I sure don't want you to feel uncomfortable. No, I want you to feel uncomfortable because I want you to know that there's a chance that you could go to hell. Because the whole point of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what we've been saying. You are going to hell, but you don't have to. Simple. I don't know. That's the simplest way to put it. You are born. You are going to hell. But guess what? There's a way that you don't have to. There's been a way made for that. That's what a peacemaker does. A peacemaker does not pacify people. That is not peace. Okay, talk about NATO, the most garbage institution that's ever been created on the face of the earth. They created NATO so that NATO could stop all wars, and there's been more wars. There's been more wars in, in history since NATO was formed than there was before in, in thousands of years of history. Listen to that. If you go all the way back to all the wars that were fought, even in the Old Testament, there's been more wars and more civil wars and more infighting since the NATO. And, y'all, this is a short, this is decades, not hundreds of years, because the only true peace comes through Christ Jesus. This is what a peacemaker is, one who bravely declares God's terms, which makes someone whole. Why? Because what I'm saying is truth, and that truth hurts you. It divides, it says, the spirit and the soul. It divides the bone from the marrow. It cuts. That's why we're not to be ugly when we do it. Because let's be honest, if you truly are under conviction, if you truly know what the Word of God says and you're filled with it, all I've got to do is tell you the truth and it hurts you enough. You're supposed to have already hurt you because the Spirit is telling you, stop, stop, don't do that, repent, move forward. Repent, move forward, but we don't do that. So there comes instances where 
the spirit through a mouthpiece, through a person, says something, and that brings about, that brings you back to the wholeness of who you're supposed to be. That's not a very nice word, and people don't like it. Blessed are, happy are the peacemakers. Okay, then he says, for they shall be called the sons of God, shall be called, they will be acknowledged to pass, to pass as based on God's judgment. No, I don't, I, how can I say this nicely? I got to be tactful with the things I say because I have a tendency not to. Okay, I, I do care about you, right? But I don't care about the things you say that don't align with the word of God. That doesn't change the way I feel about you as a human being. I love you. But whenever you come at me with some garbage that does not align with the Word of God, that's where there, there's a division now. Now, how I go about expressing that, we got to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how I do it. If I don't do it in love, then it says it's absolutely for nothing. Matter of fact, the Word of God says I, I'm going to build up a fortress between me and you that only God can tear down. And most of the time we know God that doesn't happen because I turn that person away. I turn them off from what the truth is. The truth is hurtful. The real truth is hurtful. And if you still find yourself getting hurt by the truth, that's a good thing because you acknowledge that it is truth. But there's some truths that shouldn't hurt you anymore. I am fat and I am going bald. If someone tells me that and I get all offended by it, change it. That's who you are. If you are a homosexual, be a homosexual, but don't be offended by that. If you're a fornicator and that's what you are, don't be offended by it. That's literally what you are. Just just embrace it. Deal with it. But if you're a child of God, then you know that's not what you're supposed to do. Those are the simple things because those are what? External. We can see that. We know that you did that. What about people who look at pornography all the time? What about people who talk ugly and backbite and all those things? Those sins that we don't see. It's like the, it's kind of like in our bodies, those autoimmune diseases. We have diseases within our body that I don't know, you can't see, but they destroy your body, don't they? Well, that's what's happening in your spirit. You have sin and residual sin and things in your life that are destroying the bond that you have between the spirit and yourself. And that's why you find yourself where you are. Because first you have to be, have peace with God. You can't be a peacemaker if you don't have peace with God. It's an impossibility. This is the great thing. Then sons, a believer, becoming a son of God begins with being reborn. You have to be born again, just like he told Nicodemus. And that's adopted by the Heavenly Father through Christ. And that adoption is the coolest thing. Never saw it like I did until the pastor preached it. When we're talking about the process from justification to being a son of God for forever, adoption is within that spectrum. Like it's, it's a series of events that happen. Your regeneration, your whatever. Adoption. <clears throat> According to, as he said, I have I have a son, that's Ethan. I can go and say that Ethan cannot have anything from my estate. I literally could do that. That's really hateful. But I could go and get paperwork done and get things done and say he's not my son anymore. And it would be legal. But he can never, ever, ever do that to Richard Paul because he adopted him. Once you adopt a human being, you cannot get rid of them. That is for life. That's what God did with us. That's why this whole idea of, yes, I was saved and I was born again, but I got off the path and I went to hell. No, you, no, that's not reality. Once he has you and you are his and you have been adopted, you're going to stray. You're going to go through seasons where you don't even know if God is real. 
You're going to go through seasons where you don't do what you're supposed to. Guess what, guys? During that time, you're not at peace with God. Why do you feel unsettled? Why do you feel the way you do? Because you're not at peace. And then there's going to be people come alongside you. They are peacemakers. They're trying to speak the truth to you and tell you, stop what you're doing. I can tell you why you feel the way you do, why you're miserable. You got a foot in the world. You can't have fun in the world, and you can't be who you are in Christ because you're in two places. That's what a peacemaker tells somebody for the for true. Now, do I go busting doors down to tell them that? Most certainly not. But when you come and ask me a question, I'm going to give you an honest answer. And I'm always going to preface it with that. Do you really want to know what the Word of God says? Because who cares what I say? Now, you can reject what I tell you about the Word of God, but you're rejecting God. Do you understand that? That whenever you reject, when you reject what, if he stands in the pulpit and he preaches a true word, which I believe he does every single time, or we would, we would talk about it. If you reject that word, you didn't reject him. You don't even have to like him. That's fine. You, you rejected the word of God. So if you don't like the man of God that stands in a pulpit or that teaches, you need to move. Because when you reject that word, you're not rejecting that man. You're rejecting God. And there's a problem with that. That's a big problem. That's why go where the Lord is leading you. Go where the Spirit wills you. There's peacemakers everywhere in the kingdom. Because we're all, everybody has this. Everybody has this ability. And whether you're using it or not, and it didn't even say this was a gift, did it? It just said, blessed are. Are you a son of God? Then you're a peacemaker. Because you've been, filled with, you've been filled with the Spirit of God and you have that ability. James 3 and 17 and 8 explains, this is, the, this is where the congruency of the word comes in. James 3, 17 and 8 says this, but, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, free of hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Okay, so the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. But look how it starts out. But the wisdom from above is first what? Pure. What did we learn last week? Matthew 5 and 8. What does it say? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You cannot be a peacemaker until you are pure in heart. You cannot be pure in heart until you understand that God was merciful and that God showed you mercy and you have to show other people mercy. You can't understand that until you hunger and thirst for his righteousness. Do you see this? Please, please don't just take my word for it. Don't just leave this here on the table. If you don't want it, throw it away, but don't just leave it because it's disrespectful to the Word of God, not to me. This is given to you for a purpose, and it's that you don't just listen to what I have to say. It's that you go and make sure that this is true. You are responsible for your own salvation. You're to seek it out with fear and trembling. Thank you for agreeing with what I say or at least trusting in what I say, but don't take my word for it because I'm a heathen and I'm sinful and my heart is deceitfully wicked. Because the Word of God says that, and I'm, I don't, I don't know any other way to say it. This is your, this is yours. You come here to be fed, but if you're not feeding yourself outside of church, you're not going to get much when you come here, because you're not spiritually prepared to receive. Your heart is not in the right place, and you know what you're going to be over and over, offended, offended over and over. Romans, <clears throat> Romans twelve fifteen through twenty one tells us this. It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty of mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never repay evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all people. If possible, so as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. As it depends on you, believer, 
as it depends on you. There are people right now that I know that have a problem with me. I know that. I do not have a problem with them. I have tried to rectify it. I have tried to, as we're going to get later on in this thing, he says that if you go to, to give a sacrifice, if you go to pray, and you know that someone has aught with you, not that you have it with them, go and make it right. This is what he's saying right here. If you have tried to make it right, and they won't, you have done your part. It's as far as with you. If you know there's a problem, it's your responsibility to take care of that. But if you go and they don't receive that, it's not on you anymore because God knows your heart. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what a peacemaker does. How, how easy is that? Extremely hard. Especially when I'm not walking in the Spirit. Matter of fact, according to John 15, when I'm not walking in the Spirit, I'm not in Christ Jesus, and it's an impossibility for me to do that. Did I say you weren't saved? No, I said you weren't doing what you were supposed to. This whole idea, I've said this, and I will continue to, show me the sin that sends you to hell once you've been saved, please. Because if that's true, then you're going to hell. You, you sin every single day of your life. That's what a peacemaker will tell you, the honest to God truth. Every day you sin. But the, Lord, the word says in 1 John, starting at the end of chapter 1 into chapter 2. But what? But there, he's a propitiation for our, for our sins. And he is just and faithful to forgive us if we what, church? If we ask him. We are supposed to repent daily. What was the message that John the Baptist gave? Repent. The kingdom of God is, is nigh. It's at hand. What was Jesus's? What was his whole gospel? Hey, you're going to go to hell. Repent. Be born again. Go to heaven. Repentance is a big part of it. It's not just about believing. Because we've had that here at this church. Someone come here, the biggest bunch of garbage you ever heard, because the book of John says all you have to do is believe. No, it does not. What did he tell Nicodemus? That's how ignorant men are. That's why you don't listen to men. What did he tell Nicodemus? You must be born again. That's not just believing. My belief doesn't make me born again. I have to see who I am just like Job did. And I have to turn from my wicked ways. I have to thirst after him. I have to mourn over my sin. Goodness gracious. It just seems so so simple. And it is, but we overcomplicate everything because we want to live our life the way we want to live our life. And in order to do that, we have to compromise the Word of God. And every time we do, it gets easier and easier and easier until we have built our own life. That's fine. Guess what? That's your life. Because what does the Word of God say that we're going to see eventually is, my life is supposed to be dead. I'm supposed to be buried in Christ Jesus. This is not my life anymore. I don't even worry about what's going to happen day to day anymore because I just know that God is going to lead my life. There's lots of things I like and lots of things I like to do, but I don't even worry about that anymore because all that does is has a tendency to make me upset. Because if I try to live my life my way, I'm going to fail every single time. So be sure that you're not the one quenching peace. Make sure that you have a right relationship with those people around you and that you have reached out to olive branches, they say. Like, I've tried, Lord. I've, I actually have tried. Why? Why? Why does he say, I love that, but be at peace with all people, he says, so far as it depends on you. Because guess what? You can't live peaceably with all people. Brother Chad went to a foreign land two times 
in a very terrible place. He could not just go and say, hey, Taliban fella, how about you just put your gun down and we'll go and roast a goat together and we'll be best friends? That's, that's not reasonable, is it? Well, a person who worships Satan, a person who is outside of the will of God, a person who is a bad place, I can't reason with them because they're not spiritual. This thing is understood and reasoned out in the spirit. You cannot reason with a person who does not have the spirit because they have the spirit of Antichrist. And the spirit of Antichrist is the opposite of Christ. So all they can do is what? Fight you. They're going to battle with you. We need to remember that. That way it's not personal. Those people that have come against me, those people that are against me to this day, it's not. It's really not personal. They don't hate me. They hate the Jesus Christ that's inside of me. And that's where we're going to get to in the last one. That's actually a good thing. It lets you know you're on the right road. It's one of those things about this word that makes zero sense to us. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. Peace comes through the sword. And we're going to see in Ephesians 6 and 17, what is the sword? Okay, so... Of Matthew 10, 34 through 39, Jesus Christ speaking. This is what Jesus has to say. Do not think that I come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be the members of his household. Boy, if that's not true. Your family, the people, they're going to be opposed to you. 37, do not think I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I'm sorry. The one who loves the father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And the one who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And the one who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And Luke will tell you that's daily. The one who has found his life will lose it. And the one who has lost his life on my account will find it. That's what he's saying right there. This is not your life anymore. If this is still your life, then your life is not in Christ. I'm sorry. That's what a peacemaker would tell you. A peacemaker would say, hey, are you living your life the way you want to live your life? And it's my best life now. I bought the book. I read it. It is awesome. I'm having my best life now. Good, because the rest of your life is going to be lived in hell. Because if your best life is right now, then your eternity is hell. Because you're living your life the way you want to. This, is, this life is a great life. It's a, it, it, there's abundant blessings in this life. But my life is not roses. It, I'm not a millionaire. You're not supposed to live your best life now. You're supposed to be, live your best life in Christ Jesus for the furthering of the kingdom. But people don't do that because people like their things and people like the things that they do more than they like this. This is not as important. Look at this room. This is not that important to people. And then again, the truth is not important to people because the first time I offend you, then you will go somewhere else. And that's okay. This is the first time he offends people, they leave the church. That is on those people. You don't have to like the word of God, but guess what? That is on you. It's not on him. If, if we give you the full truth, the blood is not on our hands. That's what the word of God says. That don't mean you're going to like it. I don't like it. Do you understand how convicting it is to have to be able to teach this and know that these truths are truths in my life that I have to work out with fear and trembling myself? Yeah, it feel, you feel like a hypocrite half the time. But you know that the Spirit of God is working in you because he's renewing that daily. And, man, you are working as hard as you can because guess what? You do have work to do. This is not once saved, always saved, coast the rest of your life. Whoa, I made it. It's not how it works. If that's all you've ever got was just saved, you're not saved. If all you ever get is saved and nothing ever happens after that, you aren't saved. Because from salvation comes works. James tells us that. That's pretty simple. So... 
he brought a sword. What is the sword, guys? Ephesians 6 and 17 is this. It's the word of God. It's what's going to be judged by. Every word that proceeds out of our mouth, every word that we've spoken, every word from here, when our life is, is looked at, it's compared to the word of God. So what did he bring? He brought himself. Because if we go to Revelation, what comes out of his mouth? A sword. That's the word. Jesus Christ, there will be one moment. He spoke everything into existence. Well, guess what? There's coming a day where he will speak one word. Not really sure what it is, but it's going to be awesome. And when he does it, every foe will die. Everything, everything will be burned up. It's done. We're all going to be there. It says that. 1714 Revelation. We're all there with him as a great army. Whenever he battles them and he speaks one thing, whatever that is, and the sword comes out of his mouth, which is this. It's not physical, everyone. It's the word of God. That's the sword. That's what Ephesians 6 and 17 tells us. Why are we weak? Why do we not have the ability? Because we don't read our Bible. Because this is not as important as TikTok and every channel on television. I mean, if, if you spend four hours a day watching television and you spend no hours a day reading the word of God, whatever is on the television is what's in you. And it, it does it quenches the spirit and it grieves the spirit of God because the word of God tells us that the spirit of God needs to be fed too, inside of us. We feed on the word of God and it feeds the spirit of God and it grows. Our faith grows. All those things grow. Hebrews 12 and 14, moving on to the next part, tells us <clears throat> Hebrews 12 and 14, pursue peace with all people and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I'm supposed to pursue peace with people. I'm supposed to try my very best, but then I look at the fullness of the Word of God. That's why I could take that piece right there, just that one scripture, because anybody could do it. They're doing it all over the world. You don't even have to be filled with the Spirit of God because they're, they're devils. Pursue peace with all people. I could, I could create a sermon on that and tell you that if you're, not, if you're not pursuing peace with everybody, the heathen, the people that everything that God calls an abomination, well, then uh, you're not going to see God. You're not going to see God. Oh, you, you don't embrace LGBTQ? You're never going to see God. Because the word of God says that you have to pursue peace with all people. No, it doesn't. It says I'm supposed to be a peacemaker. And it says that I don't go looking for a fight. But when one comes to me, I tell them the truth. I don't want you to go to hell. And I don't understand that is if we walk out of this building and there's a toddler in the middle of the road, we're going to go pull them out of the road. Well, they're babes. They're ignorant of the truth. Yeah. And those that are babes in Christ that are new, just little, why would you not tell them the truth? Do it in love, but tell them the truth because they're in danger. Because this is what he and I have talked about. And, and you may not understand this. I'm not worried about the majority of the people in this church. I'm not worried about your salvation. I know you're saved. I see you bear fruit. I know it's real. But I do know this. I know that the Word of God says that whenever you step out of the will of God and you begin to live your life on your own terms again, He's going to chasten you. And sometimes that chastening is just to you, but sometimes it's your family. And sometimes it takes taking a life to get somebody back where they're supposed to be. Well, that's not God. Well, you don't know God. You've never read His Word, and you don't know who He truly is, because that is God. Because He loves you so much. He loves you so much that He will do anything He can to bring you back where you're supposed to be the same way you would, the same way you would your kid. You can't tell me. 
I know that if Haley moves to Colorado, which I pray she stays close, close, but if she moves there, you listen to what I'm saying. If something terrible happened, that man would do whatever it took to get to where she is. And there's no way you would stop. You'd have to kill him. He'd go find the man who flies that helicopter. And if he had to use a gun, that man would fly that helicopter there or he would die in the middle of it. I, I believe that with all my heart because that's how much he loves her. That's how much God loves you. There is no length that he will not go to all the way to killing his own son. That's what a peacemaker will tell you. A peacemaker will be honest with you because they want there to be peace between you and God because that is the only way that this is right. That's what, that's what he's trying to tell us here. A peacemaker is a bold individual. A peacemaker is, sadly, that's why we moved on to 5 and 10. But I'll read finally Psalms 85 and 10. Graciousness and truth have met together. All right. Righteousness and peace have kissed one another. You, you cannot be at peace unless you have righteousness. Those two things go hand in hand. Now, if you're, if you're lost in sin and you're undone right now, the only righteousness you have is the righteousness of Christ. The blood has been applied to your life. Please understand that. If you're truly born again and you've been filled with the Spirit of God, Jesus, God don't come back and jerk the Spirit of God out of something. The Spirit is it, it's permanent. It's indestructible. It says that. It says that the Spirit of God, you have been sealed to the day of redemption. The only one who could open the seal on the book in, in Revelation chapter 5 was who? Jesus Christ. They wept. Everyone's weeping. Everybody's weeping in heaven because nobody's been found to open the book. If they can't open the book, you can't go to heaven, believer. If they can't open the book, then they don't know who's supposed to be there, believer. But Jesus Christ comes on the scene, and he opens that book. That's, who is, that's whose blood's applied to your life. Why does he have the authority to do what he does? Why do you have the right to go to heaven? Because he said so. Because his Father gave him all authority, all power. And he said, those, those that, I, that I give to you, son, they're yours forever. Because here's the thing. God didn't leave his bride to happenstance. The God of the universe did not send his son to die on a cross so that he might get a few followers to present to him at the end. We're his bride. Do you understand that? How big a deal that is? We are his bride. Jesus Christ himself at the end, we will be presented to him. And we don't see it that way. Like, it's kind of the other way around. It's like, oh, my gosh, we get to be there with Jesus. But you know what Jesus says? They, I get my bride. They get to, they come to me, Father. Like you telling me at the end, all of them, those that you said are mine, they're going to be. Do you know how excited he? Do you not see that? Mm -hmm. We see Jesus as this spirit and this whatever, but do you not understand? He's excited yeah. that one day you're going to sit at the marriage supper with him. He's just, he's a, he's a groom, and he's standing there and he's waiting. Why is he knocking on the door in Revelation? Why is he knocking on that door? Because he's so ready. He's so ready. If you weren't excited when your wife walked down the aisle, I don't know why you married her, be honest. But like in that moment when you see, and, and it's because of the moment you're in, when you see that, there's something that happens. Because you know now that's fixing to be yours. It's fixing to be yours. Like that, you belong to me now. We belong to each other now. 
Jesus Christ is so excited and he's so happy. We are his bride. He is awaiting us. That's why we can be who we are in Christ. That's why we can be peacemakers. That's why he came and lived a perfect life and preached this sermon and did all the things he did so that you and I could know how to live our life right, how to be peacemakers. If, if his death on the cross was all that was necessary, he would have came, been born, they'd have crucified him, and that's all that it would have said. It would have been Matthew chapter 1. Jesus was born. Jesus was crucified. He went to the right hand of the Father. He sent the Spirit of God back, which is in John 14, and now we all get to go to heaven. It's not what it said. There's a reason he lived that life. There's a reason there's a pattern in the Word of God for you and I, and that is to be peacemakers, and that's a bold thing. It's going to cost you you. How is it going to cost me me? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter Matthew 5 and 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Guess what comes with being a peacemaker? Persecution. Brother Chad went over there. He was a, he was a peacemaker. He's trying to make peace in a foreign land that has nothing to do with us, right? He's trying to stop what's happening. He's trying to stop them from being able to come over here he was persecuted for that. They tried. They literally tried to kill him every time that he came in contact with them. Every single time. It wasn't like one time that he just went out and they was like, oh, it's the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. No, they never did that. They're like, it's the infidel. It's the Americans. We must kill them. If you truly are who you say you are, John chapter 17 tells us what? Father, they hated me. They're going to hate them too. You're supposed to be hated. That, I used, that's the stupidest thing on those trucks. used to be the most hated that they had on there. That was a four-wheeler club. Why is that a good thing, bro? Why is it a good thing to be the most hated? Well, for them, it was they were the most hated because they were the best mud team. It, the rest of that's really vulgar, what it ends up saying at the back end. But it's, So I won't say it, but it's like they were the most hated because their four-wheelers, their everything was the best. They never got stuck. They beat everybody. Well, get, I hate to tell you, but you're the most hated because you're a Christian. But for us, it's a moniker that we can have this like awesome. Yeah. It's a good thing in our sense because the Word of God says it's a good thing. So to be persecuted, blessed are those who are harassed, troubled, molested, maltreated, suffer persecuting persecution on account of something. That's a reality. And the bad thing is you even see that within the church. You're persecuted by your fellow believers. It's just a reality of it. that's what I was picking with Ethan this morning. They were talking about joy. I said, don't let someone steal your joy. I said, if anybody steals your joy today, let it at least be the people you go to church with. <laughs> right? Because that because Jude tells us there's people that were foreordained, just as we were before times to come into the church to destroy it. Why do you think the enemy is here in this church every time that we meet? And then whenever we leave. Some of us carry him into the world with us because we're full of the devil. Because we're, there are people that are antichrist. Because they're not saved. They're not born again. Listen, if you are not born again and filled with the Spirit of God, you, are, you have the spirit of antichrist. There's one or the other. So that means that no matter where you go, you can be a good person. Common grace, we've talked about it. You can treat other people kindly. Everybody in the world has the ability to treat someone kindly, right? But that doesn't make you a good person. Matter of fact, it, it just makes you a, I don't know what it makes you. Because the sad part is, is people think because they're good, that makes them good, and there's enough good, so they're going to go to heaven. Well, Peacemaker will tell them the opposite. It's not a reality. I'm sorry. You're going to go to hell. 
but you don't have to because there's been a way made. We can look in and then righteousness. What is deemed right by the Lord? What is approved in his eyes? Not in mine, not definitely not in yours, but in God's eyes. What does God, well, Brother Matt, I don't know. Well, then read your Bible. Quit asking. Quit asking other people and find out for yourself. That's, that's the part that I can't seem to wrap my mind around is if I if someone gave me this thing right here and this thing set on the outside of it, if you don't open this box right, you will die. But here's some instructions. I'm not going to ask Brother Scott, you ever opened one of these? <laughs> I'm going to read the instructions and open the box right because I really don't want to die. This is an instruction manual for your life. Is it a big one? Yeah, it sure is. And I know being a man... I would just rather open the box and just put it all together and there's extra parts. Well, that's not how this works. <clears throat> there's no extra extra parts. Matter of fact, it says if I take away or add to, then I have all the curses that are in this word. Whoa, that's a heavy one, isn't it? There's a lot of curses in this. The greatest one being today I present before you life and death, blessing or curse. A curse is, is death. It's not life. So that righteousness is what is deemed right by the Lord, not you. You don't even know what good is. We have an idea of what we think good is, but even what we think is good is not good because generally what's good is what's good for me because I love to take care of my flesh because, I mean, that's just common sense, right? If I cut my finger off, I'm going to go try to get it put back on. That doesn't seem like that's a bad thing. It's really not, but we want what's good for us, but it's not always what's good for us is what's good for the kingdom of God. Let's put it like that. James 1 and 12 tells us this, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You've been promised a crown. The crown of what? Of life. You need that. If you don't have the crown of life, you, you have the crown of death. There's no crown of death, just by the way. But the opposite of having a crown of life means eternal death. Because here's the deal. Guess what? I hate to tell you, you're an eternal being. I talk to Muffin all the time, and I'm like, you just don't even know how lucky you are, Muffin. You just get to die. I mean, seriously, Muffin, you get to die. You just die, and that's it. You don't ever have to handle these weighty matters. You don't have to worry about how you treat other people. You just eat your kibble and go out and get pee-pee treats, and everything's fine in your life. The worst thing that could happen is you get a bath or a haircut. That's it. That, that is like the only two things she has to worry about. That would be a super sweet life, but that's not our reality. Our reality is we're eternal. We will rest somewhere for eternity. So then we move to 1 Peter three fourteen through 17. You are blessed, so suffer rightly. This is hard. These last two are hard. I'm going to be honest with you. You need to study these out yourself. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. <laughs> really? Okay. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be in dread, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. But how do I do that? With gentleness and respect. And, and it says here, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, because guess what? You should be slandered. If you're not slandered, then you're pacifying every single person around you. You're a chameleon. You're whoever you need to be, whenever you need to be, so you don't offend anybody. That's not a true life. Those who disparage your, your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right than for doing what is wrong. I, I go back to old country music. Is what, what does he say? 
you got to stand for something or you'll fall for everything. You've got to you've got to make a stand on things, guys. And guess what? When people don't like you for it, pray. Pray for them. Love them despite that. It heaps coals on their head. We just read that earlier. But you, you can't be wishy-washy. There's no double standards in this. I have had students who were homosexuals or, or were LBG whatever, and they wanted to be called a male or a female, and I asked them simply, what is your name? Well, my name is Bill. That's what I'll call you. I am not adding to your delusion. If you're a boy and you think me and you want me to call you she, he, whatever, uh, she, I'm not. But I'll call you by your name because that's respectful. Because is that not your name? That's the name you want to be called by? I have no problem with that. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pander to you and and agree that you're in something that you're not because that's not okay. That's what I'm saying. And I may lose my job someday for that. But there's things that I'm willing, there are hills that I'm willing to stand on because I honestly believe that God already has something else. Guys, there's some things that we, we can't bend on. There's no bending, it's truth, and that's all it is. The the last verse is first Peter four, thirteen through nineteen. You are blessed, so suffer as a Christian. Okay? But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. It says that. How do you think that you can make it through this life without suffering, knowing that he suffered and died? It says what? We want to share in the good things of God, but in order to do that, we have to go through the sufferings. So that all the revelation of his glory, may you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment. This, listen to this, please. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Who's judged first? We are. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Why do you need to be a peacemaker? Because people are going to go to hell. They just need to know the truth. What does that look like? I don't know. I, I, I pray the prayer that God gives me the ability to speak truth to people. Because I don't go kicking doors open because all you can do is hurt things. But I hope you pray the same prayer. Lord, even if it's just in the way I act or the things that I do, be submissive, be humble. And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of godless men and sinners? Well, hell. It's pretty simple because we've read the word. We know what it says. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God are to entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Here's the thing. And that last one carries a lot of weight because this is what it says. Therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God are to entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Whenever you are persecuted, whenever you suffer and you don't do it right, then it literally says that you don't trust God. That's a scary place to find yourself. And, I, and we do it all the time. That's why we have so much anxiety. That's why we have so much fear. That's why we have all these things, because we don't truly fully understand and trust God all the way. Does that mean we're going to hell? No, it just means that there's a lot of there's work yet to be done. There's work yet to be done. So ended. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Not just now, but forever. Because here's the thing is, these things, if you belong to God, all these belong to you already. Because you're already a citizen of, of a kingdom. 
And the, the rights of that kingdom, do you get that the rights of that kingdom belong to you now? That's why this whole idea, the one thing that bothers me the most is in our, within our own community is the struggle between the fact that there's a Buckeye and there's a DeVille. And people make signs and it's foolishness. And these people are believers and Christians. And what they should be worried about is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and explaining that it doesn't matter my citizenship here. It doesn't matter where I belong because I belong to a heavenly kingdom and I'm a sojourner. So I don't care what my heritage was because you know what my heritage means to Jesus Christ? Absolutely nothing. Because when I get there, I'm not going to have a heritage because I'm a son of God. But you know what people see on the outside in this very community is people who are religious people claim to be religious people fighting over something that's meaningless. And it makes God look stupid. It makes his word look void. That's what he's talking about right there. When you choose your battles, when you talk about things, make sure that it's about what's supposed to be about. Stop bickering about things that have no, no weight in the kingdom of God. That's a simple thing because every time I pass by there, I see this huge sign that's lit up at night, and then I see this tiny little sign on the other side, and I think it doesn't matter. We're supposed to be worried about sovereign things, about things that are godly, about the things of the kingdom of heaven, not where I came from. That's, that's a problem. But a, be a peacemaker. Be honest about things whenever it comes up. Don't be ugly about it. But here's the deal. If you read the words in red, as people really, the whole thing's in red, by the way. But if you read what Jesus said when he was here literally speaking, he said some very, very straightforward things. Was he rude about it? No, he was honest. And a lot of times honesty is taken as rudeness, right? Don't ask me if if you're fat. And I tell you, well, of course you're fat. I mean, look at you. You weigh 150 pounds more than you should. What do you want me to say? You're big bone? That's not real. That's not, you get what I'm saying? That's not a real thing. So it's the, it's the same thing in real life, guys. It's the same thing. When someone asks you a question, answer the question, answer it rightly, but do it in love. 1 Corinthians 13, it doesn't matter. All the rest of that stuff, none of it matters if it's not done in love. If you would, bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your word, Lord, and that it speaks to us each time that we read it. God, I pray that you would give us the ability to be peacemakers in this life, God, and understand that the persecution that comes actually makes us blessed people. It makes us favored in your eyes because your son was persecuted for righteousness' sake. And God, that whenever we're persecuted, that we don't go back against the individual. And, and they have to wonder, what in the world? Why is this individual not coming back at me? And that through that, they might see that there's something more. So that in the day of your, of your return, Lord, they might glorify you too. When those knees bow, Lord, and every tongue confesses that they can do it, they can do it with a, a heart that longs to see you, Father, and not out of terror and trembling because they know they're going to be thrown into a lake of fire. Father, thank you again for this day and for this people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.